honor the Lord with giving him praise, giving him thanks. Amen. It is good. It is good. It is good to be with you today in the house of God. Thanks for making effort to be with us this morning as you take your seats here at New Life Church. Again, welcome online, those of you watching and participating with us today. I just felt in my spirit as we were worshiping, the Lord is um, he's about to do some big things in our church. Um, I, I just don't say that to try to hype anybody up. I just tell you that I sense that in my spirit. I really do in my heart. And I just, um, I just believe that firmly. And I'm just going to ask you to continue to seek the Lord with us and pray and believe for God uh, to pour his spirit out here and to accomplish his heart's desire for this church, for this body of believers, that we would be right where he wants us, being who he has called us to be, and that he would do his work. Well, Lord, well, guys, I'm, I'm honored and excited today because uh, our pastors are with us this morning from, from Memphis, Pastors Fred and Valerie this time. Praise God. Uh, and you'll know why she's not been able to be with us uh, these last couple of visits that Pastor's, uh, Pastor Fred has been with us. They're going to share today. But uh, talk to them about maybe a couple of weeks ago or text, I should say. And we just chatted a little bit about their story and about their testimony. And I've not heard the fullness of it yet. I've heard those bits and pieces. But I know they've been through it. Uh, that's one way to say it. They have been through it. But the good news is they're on the other side of it. And God has been opening up, I mean, so many opportunities for, for them to share their testimony. And, you know, testimonies are not something that are outdated. They're not something that old timers used to talk about. This is what saints are called to do. And they're going to give testimony to that. And they're going to give faith to that. They're going to give witness to that today. And I'm excited and I'm honored because, um, well, as you've heard me say before, I wouldn't be where I'm at without these two. Haley and I would not be able to lead here without these two, and we're grateful and honored that we have them in our life, and uh, about 30 years now, and uh, this year, about 30 years, close to it, and uh, it's amazing, and, uh, but I, I'm not going to take much more time. I want them to come. I want them to just step right in and dive right off into what God wants to say today, and so would you please help me welcome uh, and give a very warm welcome uh, to Pastor Fred and Valerie Bennett. Okay. Love you. Love you. They're like our kids. They really are. Love them so, so very much. And yes, you see before you a walking miracle. I can tell you that because last year at this time, I thought I was dead or dying or on my way to heaven. But let me start with a scripture, and uh, it's Psalms 27, 13. I would have despaired. <clears throat> had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I am in the land of the living. Because last year at this time, you know, I was not into decorating, not even for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I was cutting up credit cards and getting my house in order. I never told my husband that. Because I thought, I'm dying. I've got to be ready. I've got to prepare them and telling him what, what to do and this and that, you know, this kind of thing, you know. But God's good. God is so wonderful. You see, last August, 2020... <clears throat> I went to see my lady doctor, whom I've been seeing for years and years, and you ladies know what, what I mean. It's our yearly checkup. You know, you've got to take care of your bodies. 
And um, she's an OBGYN. In fact, she's so special, she's also my daughter and daughter-in-law's doctor. She delivered five of my seven grandkids. So she's special. Yeah, she's very special, Dr. Keegan. So she looked at me after she checked me out. She said, you told me last year that your back hurt. I said, yeah, and it still does, and it's worse. I said, in fact, I had to go in for a checkup for a former procedure, and I told this doctor I had a back, my back hurt. He said, ah, you just blew me off. He said, I'll see you in three years. Okay. Well, then the back got worse, and I went to another doctor, and he put me on pain meds. Well, you can't be on pain meds forever. Then I went to see another doctor, and he sent me to physical therapy. And, you know, it's like, wow. And in the meantime, we'd bought a, a Tempur-Pedic mattress, one of those expensive mattresses, and we even bought a hot tub. And, uh, and, and uh, also, uh, I, I even hired my trainer at, at the gym to kind of help me. And I was having body massages, and, you know, nothing worked. It's like, God, what's going on, you know? So anyway, this fine doctor, my gynecologist, said, well, you know what? I'd sleep better if I knew what was really happening in your body. I'm going to call for a CT scan. So she called for the CT scan, and I took it, and she called me that afternoon. I mean, she said, immediately, let's do it quickly. And she called me that afternoon, not even her nurse or attendant. She said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you have a tumor in your spine at T9. I said, tumor? What is tumor? Hmm. Well, I was stunned. I thought, tumor, that means cancer. And, and I got mad at God. And I looked, you know, in, in my mind, I looked at God and said, God, why me? This is not fair. I've been serving you for 40 years. I've loved your people. I've taught the word. I've taken care of this temple. I've worked out and ate well, and most of the time. Uh, you know, I've just, it's not fair. But then I got over myself. And she said, well, you need to see a neurologist neurologist said you have one I said I don't see anybody but you I'm healthy I've always been healthy she said, well I'll set you up so she did so I went to see this neurologist and he showed us the uh, the the scan and sure enough I had a big hole in my spine he said you know we caught it in time it was a little bit longer they would have broken right through and you'd been paralyzed so he said well the first thing we're gonna do and I'm thinking okay I can jump through this hoop we're going to send you for, for 10 treatments of radiation, and we're going to burn that sucker, and you're, you know, it, it'll be okay. So I thought, oh, Lord, okay. So I had people pray for me, you know, and I went to the Baptist Hospital Cancer Center. Some days I was almost in a wheelchair. I, it, my, the pain was just unbearable by, by now. So I had my, my 10 treatments, and so then I went back to him, and uh, I thought, well, okay, I've jumped through this hoop. I'm probably going to just be on my merry way and just go on with life like I've known it. Well, he looks at me and he says, well, we burned it, yeah, and we've stopped the growth. But you've got a lot of little things floating along your spine. But I've got a good friend at West Cancer Center in Memphis. Everybody's heard of that place because it's as, as famous as the one in Houston. Yeah, I've got a good friend over there. He'll take care of you. So he said, I'll make you an appointment, and they did. So I went to see this, this doctor at uh, West Cancer Clinic. And he examines me, and he tells me what it is. You know, all cancers have a name. He says, you have multiple myeloma. Multiple myeloma? It's bone cancer. Then I got ticked at God again. God, this is not fair. In my spirit, I was stomping my feet, and I was really, really mad. But then I got over myself because I thought, well, God, you've taken care of me all my life. 
you've met every need in my life. I'm just going to have to trust you. I'm, then I kind of saw myself, God kind of gave me a vision of me just being in his arms and he was going to take care of me. But then that, that doctor said, you know what? We happen to have on staff the specialist that takes care of multiple myeloma. And his name is Dr. Chandler. And I'm thinking, what's his first name? Jason Chandler. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the son of my very first, very, very best friend. When I first started going to church years and years and decades ago, when we were in the Methodist church before we were saved, and she mentored me, his mother. And Jason, the doctor, my oncologist, used to play with Chris in the nursery. And they used to fight like cats and dogs. I mean, I remember that. I said, oh, my gosh, I know this. And I told them that. And this doctor happens to be a Jewish man, you know. And I thought, I, I didn't care. I said, I know her. He said, well, I'll set up an appointment. Well, Dr. Chandler said, no, 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 send her on down right now. So we went down to his office down the hall. And he said he remembered, and uh, he said, well, we'll get you on some chemotherapy. We'll put you on these pills. You won't lose your hair. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. And uh, plus, you'll, you'll come and see us every week. We'll give you a, a, a chemo shot in your gut, too. And, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. We'll put you on pain meds, morphine, and oxycodone. So I was on pain meds. I mean, these are drugs for five months. I'm not on drugs anymore. I take a Tylenol every so often, whatever, praise the Lord. But anyway, I needed that. I was in terrible agony. So we started the chemotherapy, and uh, we did that for about, I thought, well, again, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'll be on my merry way again. Well, after four and a half months, he says, well, we've done the four months, and the numbers kept going down. See, that's another thing, you know, not everybody's numbers keep going down. And he'd get so excited every, week, every time I saw him, it's down this and it's down this and it's down this. You know what? The next thing we need to do is just do the stem cell transplant and that'll just wipe it out and you'll be on your merry way. Now, he did say that. I thought, oh my gosh, well, what does all this entail? He said, well, you'll have to go either to Nashville or you can go to Methodist University Hospital on Union Avenue in Memphis. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. My kids and grandkids all live here. I ain't going anywhere. So he said, but you'll be in the hospital like for three to four weeks, sometimes longer, maybe less, I don't know, but usually that's the norm, three to four weeks. It'll be in a sterile environment. What they are going to do is pull out some platelets and do something to your blood. I never went online. I don't want to know what they do. I don't care. Just do what you need to do. Pull out some platelets. Then the very next day, we'll give you a lethal dose of chemo, but you will lose your hair, which I did, but now I've got hair. Hallelujah. And, uh, and then the next day, we'll, after we've done this stuff to your blood, he told me what they were doing, I don't want to know, we'll put that back in, and that should be the end of cancer. I thought, okay, but three to four weeks, and this is COVID time, nobody can visit you at the hospital, I can't see my grandkids, Fred couldn't stay with me in another time, he could have stayed with me the whole time, but we couldn't. So we lived on the phone and we did FaceTime. So I did that. And, you know, when they do pull out the platelets, it also erases all of your childhood immunizations. So I'm at a place now that I am totally immune compromised. No immunity whatsoever. But the numbers were good again, you know, and I did well at the hospital. And it was lonely. And this is the hospital, the sterile environment. We were wearing masks. I was wearing a mask. The nurses, the doctors, whatever. They didn't even give you bottle with a, uh, I mean, water with a little cup and a straw like 
all the other wards in the hospital do. It was bottled water. That's all I could drink. And you had to wear rubber gloves for everything. In fact, I've got a box of rubber gloves that the hospital gave me when I got out. But everything was so sterile. And then, then, uh, then three weeks minus one day, they said, oh, your count is so good, we're going to let you go home. I said, oh, hallelujah. But when you get home, you've got to wear gloves for everything. You can't eat any cultures, like no yogurts. Uh, meat has to be well done, and eating a well-done steak is gross, believe me. And, uh, and you can't eat any vegetables or produce unless you can wash it or peel it. I mean, it was, and, and you've got to stay away from everybody for 100 days. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, there's COVID, and now there's this. And I curse COVID and cancer every day of my life. I still do, and I will continue. But anyway, whatever. So I did that. It was, it was hard. It was difficult. But my family, they all got their shots and everything so that they could, we could live in our bubble. And they'd come to see me after church on Sundays, and we'd, they'd get their food and bring it. And I got so tired of watching church online. It's like, oh, my gosh. I like to be there. I like to see faces. I like to touch bodies. I like to hug, even if it's just elbow or whatever. Thank God we don't have to wear masks huh? for the last couple of weeks. It's been wonderful. We can see faces. We can t see when we smile. I'd go to the store and look around, and I said, I'm really smiling at you, but you can't tell. They said, oh, yeah, I can see it in your eyes, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, I, I, I did that. And then the fourth day I'm home, I thought, oh, I've got a sinus, little sinus stuff. You know, what's, what's going on? So I called my nurse practitioner. She said, get down here right now. They tested me. I had COVID. Four days home. I have COVID. Back in the hospital on the COVID ward. Boy, that was different from the ninth sterile floor. Going to the fifth floor at the COVID ward with all the gear they wear and everything. And they kept doing lung x-rays. But, you know, and Fred and I prayed before I went in. I mean, we cried a lot. We prayed a lot. We've always prayed a lot. But we really cried a lot when the first diagnosed. But then when this COVID thing, I thought, well, the devil tried to take me out with cancer. Now he's going to try to take me out with COVID. And we cried. We, were, we had to go through the emergency room. They couldn't just put me in. And I was in, a, in the emergency room with everybody hacking and coughing. And I know it was filled with COVID people. And policemen were coming in there and taking people out. I mean, it was, it was a zoo. So I finally got in. You know, we cried. And we thought, okay, well, Lord, I guess if this is it, you know, so be it. You know, whatever. But I got in there. And it's like they kept doing x-rays. I had no symptoms. It's like. And I had no immunity now, nothing to fight this off. And they pumped me with all kinds of stuff, and, and I was fine. And it's like the nurses would come into my room and say, why are you here? You're not even sick. I said, I've tested positive for COVID. I said, I just came out of a stem cell transplant. And they did, oh, no immunity. Okay, we, we get it. But they'd come and chit-chat with me because everybody else was on ventilators or they couldn't talk or they were half dead, I guess. I don't know. But it was so weird. After a week, they finally let me go home. I mean, it was just really crazy. But, you know, when you test negative, then I had to go back in for, for checkups because I was still under their supervision for the stem cell transplant. They wouldn't let me back in the hospital because I didn't test positive. I mean, test negative. So I was having to take care of myself. I got on vitamins and all kinds of stuff, and I started drinking Gatorade. I love Gatorade, sugar-free. I love Gatorade. I got to learn that, you know. And then finally, I was able to get back in, and, and they said, well, we've got to do a PET scan. That's one of these scans from the top of your head to the soles of your feet to see if the stem cell transplant did its job because they said cancer has a way of hiding in little nooks and crannies, and we want to find out where it is. And also, we need to do a, a bone marrow biopsy, because cancer hides in there, because that's what you have, bone cancer. So they did all that. And then I went to, to see my oncologist July 9th of this year. 
And he said, look, zero, you are cancer-free. <gasps> oh, hallelujah. We high-fived, we hugged, we laughed, we carried on. And then I had to go see my other oncologist at, at, uh, who did the stem cell transplant, and he's a buddy of him. And uh, he said, well, you are in remission. And I know he's a Christian. He said, you're healed. I said, yeah, I know I'm healed. Praise the Lord. So we were high-fiving again and just praising God and carrying on. And then I had to go back and see my neurologist, you know, because you have to check all check in. You know, the, God always puts a team around you, and, and I thank God for all these wonderful doctors. And he showed us the x-ray. The bone had grown back where that hole was. And we, I shared my testimony in the church a couple of weeks ago, and this guy, I think he works for, for some bone company or whatever. I mean, he has a job, you know, um, kind of like what Susan used to work, uh, Smith and Nephew, the, they deal with bones and all kinds of stuff like that. He said, that's unusual. That's unheard of. So I thought, there's another miracle. He said, well, I don't need to see you ever again. So I thought, well, praise the Lord. But, you know, God is so, so good. And I thank God for the prayers of the saints. I know you as a church prayed. Fred and I have traveled to over 40 nations. I was getting prayers from Everywhere in the world, uh, cards were sent to us, plus food, plus people were just wonderful. My husband is a wonderful caregiver. I used to say was, but he still is. I mean, you know, I'm getting stronger every day, and uh, we're back on the road traveling, and God's opening doors for me to share this with people so that you can be encouraged. But why testify? Why give a testimony? Why? I mean, God, gets, God is working in me through me and me sharing that with you because it, the Revelations, uh, let's see, uh, 12, 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and not loving their lives even unto death. And then Revelations 19, 10 says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm prophesying to you. And I have one more scripture and then I'm done and then my husband will We'll finish up. But why cancer? You know, we always ask God, why? It may not be cancer that you're going through. You know, we all go through stuff. But when we go through stuff, it's terrible. But why? God gave us this scripture, Acts 14, 22. We are, as Christians, as believers, we are sent to strengthen the souls of the disciples and to encourage their faith. Because through many tribulations, and I added in parentheses, tests, they're all T's, you'll like this, trials, transformations, turmoils, temptations, transitions, troubles, traumas, we must enter the kingdom of God. God is good. Thank you, and I love the worship. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what a privilege it is to uh, be able to come and have Val with me again. And uh, i tell you what, I, we've always enjoyed, we've been on the road, we pastored for 30 years, but we've been on the road about 15 years. And uh, I tell you, it's lonely out there by yourself. Uh, I know the Lord's with us, but I like my better half, praise God. It's a, it's a blessing. The testimony of Jesus, as Valerie was saying, first of all, our testimony is not just for us. It's for everybody that we come into contact with. It's a powerful thing. It's a weapon in your arsenal so that you can comfort 
other people who are going through things because you've all. I don't even have to ask you if you've been through anything. We have all been through stuff. And the fact that we are still here, we're still in the fight, we're still glorifying Jesus is a testimony that God is with us. And we can praise him for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations so that we can comfort others in their troubles with the same comfort with which he has comforted us. That comfort that came to you when you went through your trials, when you went through your tribulations, when you endured your trauma, that same comfort that came to you by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? That same comfort you can give to others. Isn't that an amazing thought? How do you give it? By the word of your testimony, praise God. When you speak it out, when you share some appropriate part. You know, I think a lot of people believe that when they hear the word testimony, i got to give them a whole life story. No, there's no time for that. What there's time for, though, is that appropriate part of your life story of how Jesus has been working in your life that's what you need to give them. That means, first of all, you need to hear the Lord, but then you need to hear what they're going through. We need to take the time to listen. Too often we get so aggressive that we just blow right. Well, do you know if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Well, now we've jumped way down the road here. That, that's not an inappropriate question, but is it the appropriate time? You know, I think of Jesus talking to the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. What was the first question he asked her? Can I have a drink of water? <laughs> it's a process. Got to build on something here. Got to be able to listen because that, that just triggered a whole wonderful gospel conversation. I tell you, we should all meditate. What is that, John 4? We should all meditate on that. Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. What a brilliant, because he gives his testimony to her as she's sitting there talking with him. One way that we can comfort others in whatever trouble they may be going through is by the sharing of our testimony. How God has comforted us, whether it was relational trouble, it was financial trouble, it was health issues, it was mental problems, whatever it may be, with that same comfort. Did you know that the root word of testimony is do it again? You brought that up this morning. I love that passage because all of us are to be dreamers. We're to be dreamers. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that's just our attitude in life, that we should be dreaming of all that God is doing, not only in and through us, but in the earth today via his kingdom. You know, the apostles were always sharing their testimony. For instance, three times in the book of Acts, we find Paul's testimony of his conversion experience. 
it's almost like I want to make sure you heard the story. I want to make sure you got it straight. I want to make sure you understand that now I am a blood-washed, spirit-filled, born-again Christian. I'm not the persecutor of the church anymore. This is my testimony, and it's powerful. You know, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19, we find the original testimony as he told it to Luke the writer of the book of Acts. This testimony would have been very, very comforting to the church to hear that Saul of Tarsus, their most feared persecutor, had now been converted by God's sovereign grace and mercy. He was no longer the enemy. Now he was a friend. Now he was a friend of God and a friend of the church, praise the Lord. Now, it took a while for some of them to believe it. And you know, there's a good lesson right there. Sometimes it will take a while for people to believe your testimony. You know why? What's the old saying? Seeing is believing. They want to see your testimony. Your testimony has power when your lifestyle lines up with what you're saying God has done for you. That's vital and so very important, praise God. You know, just remember that everyone will not believe our testimony the first time they hear it. Some people will, but not everyone. Some will want to wait and see it. Saul's conversion would also have comforted the church in another way. They would have been comforted knowing that the fruit of suffering, for Christ's sake, even unto death, was not in vain. In the preceding chapters, Acts 7 and 8, it's recorded the martyrdom of Stephen. And he was martyred at the behest of Saul of Tarsus. As a devout Pharisee of Pharisees, he would not have taken up stones himself. He was too holy for that. But he would have instigated others to do it. That's why those who stoned Stephen had taken off their coats and their garments and laid them at the feet of Saul, indicating what they were doing was at his behest. It was on his authority. We've got to understand that. But rather than Stephen's death being counted as just a horrible, jarring loss to the early church, now they could count it as gain. Listen to James. I think we're going to put it on the screen. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8, King James Version. My brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. What does it produce? Patience. Some versions say endurance. Either way, what, what, what it does. This is the work that it's doing in you. And let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I wanted to go on and include the next verses. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, 
and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that person think that they will receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded. They're unstable in all their ways. We're to count it all joy when we fall, when we endure various trials, various troubles, all those things Valerie said, tribulations and traumas and tests and all the rest of it. Transitions. Tease, tease an ugly word. But anyway, a letter. Count it all joy. Now, we have to understand, what does that word count mean? It's not one, two, three, four. Count means to evaluate it, to judge it rightly so that whatever trials we fall into, we may profit from it. Isn't that the point of that passage of Scripture? Why we count it all joy? Because if we miscount it or discount what has happened, the truth is not in us. We're going to miss it and we're going to lose the battle. How do we lose the battle? Well, when we don't count it all joy, and that's often a process in itself. I mean, Valerie confessed that there were times she was just mad at God. Then she'd get over herself and repent. <laughs> then she could begin to count it all joy, and everything began to change, and things began to shift. That's so important for us. When we count it all joy, it has a profit to us. But when we don't, when we resort to whining and complaining or even stoic silence. You know why many people don't share their testimonies today? They think it's too personal. They think no one's going to be interested. Or they just don't want to take the time to tell people. Or they're ashamed of how they once were and how they reacted to a situation. And they don't want other people to know about it. Did you know that when you bottle up your testimony, in a way, you're denying the work of Jesus Christ in your life? When you are silent about what God has been doing and is continuing to do in your life, you are denying other people the comfort that he has given you. The Holy Spirit in us is the comforter. We can comfort people. You know, uh, as a pastor for 30 years, I was almost, seems like almost every day of my life, I was in a hospital somewhere, and someone was sick or uh, on their deathbed or whatever it may be, and, and you often just kind of run out of words to say. But you can always go back to your testimony. Talk about how God has comforted you, and that can comfort them your testimony is such a powerful thing and we so desperately need it today especially with all of this pandemic and COVID and everything else especially with all the turmoil that is in our land especially with all the people who are hurting right now as we're seeing inflation rise and all these things that are happening people need the comfort of the Lord praise God for Valerie and I, it was as though we walked through the valley of the shadow of death. 
But what does the word say? Fear no evil, for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with us, no matter what we're going through. But even then, remember, it's not just about us. It's about, start thinking about, all right, one of the things I'm going to profit from in this, I'm going to be able to comfort somebody else. I'm going to be able to tell somebody else, when I was at death's door, when Satan had come to threaten me with the best threat he could muster against me, when the accuser of the brethren comes and seems to be determined to destroy, I know that I can overcome. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of my testimony and by not loving my life even unto death. See, don't keep your life to yourself. People need to hear. They need to hear about the Jesus in you. That makes it personal. That, that, that removes it from the objective to the subjective. Now I've got a subject. I know somebody that told me that in their time of trouble, when they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, they discovered they were not alone. For the Lord is with us. What does he say? He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Oh, praise God. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are active in us every day. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord our God forever. Forever. Come on, that's at least worth an amen. Amen. Praise God. We're the alive. If you think about it, there are a lot of walking dead out there. I'm not talking about zombies either. There were the walk. I was once the walking dead. I didn't know Christ. Christ was not in me. But no longer. We're the life. We're the life givers. We're the healed of the Lord. Therefore, we're the healers. We're to speak to them and share with them and destroy the works of the enemy. All that whining, all that complaining, just like Valerie had to finally come to the end of herself and get over it. <laughs> Why me, Lord? <laughs> you know, even Jesus asked that. Didn't he? From the cross. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? If Jesus can ask it, I'm pretty sure we can. Because there are some dark times. There are times when it just seems, okay, this is beyond, way, too way beyond me. Beyond my understanding, beyond my ability to cope, beyond my re ability to reason and understand it. You know, I, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I'm in my 74th year around this trip around the sun. <laughs> and I've learned there's still a lot of stuff I don't know. But I know this. I know that God in his mercy brought someone into my life who shared with me the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I know that when I repented and turned, he came into my life. He changed me. He transformed me. I may not understand the supply chain issue. I may not understand the immigration issue. I may not understand the economic issue. I may not understand what's going on in politics. But bless the name of the Lord, I know this. 
the Lord reigns. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he reigns forever and ever. And there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And my friends, as long as I draw breath on this earth, no rock will need to cry out for me because I'm going to open my mouth in faith and I'm going to declare that Jesus is Lord. I don't care what the storm is. Jesus is still Lord, praise God. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Even while he was suffering and dying there on the cross, what's he doing? He's ministering. He's ministering to the thief on the one hand, offering him the salvation. Today you'll be with me in paradise because he defended Jesus, praise God. He's speaking to John, take care of mama. Watch over my mother for me, praise God. He's even showing mercy to the multitude that are just standing there gawking, wondering how he's going to die and how long he's going to last. What does he do? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what I've decided? <laughs> there are a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they need a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> they really do. They need someone who knows who they are in Jesus Christ. That we're not nobodies. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're the servants of the Most High God. Hallelujah. We've got something to share, something to tell them about, and it is powerful. We can profit from our trials or we can suffer loss. It all depends on how we count it. Valerie shared Revelation 12 and 10, well, part of it. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has what? Been cast down. What did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Dear friends, there are some things we don't know, but what we know will sustain us right into eternity with the Lord our God. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Sharing our testimony is how we overcome in Acts 22, 1 to 16, I'm not going to read all that for the sake of time. Paul shares his testimony again. This time he's sharing it with a Jewish mob who were trying to kill him. And then he added to the testimony. He began talking about how he'd been praying in the temple. And he went into a trance and he saw Jesus. And Jesus was saying to him in verse 18, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. For they will not receive, everybody's not going to receive it, your testimony concerning me. In other words, don't stay where your testimony is not received. Shake the dust off your feet and go your way. See, this is why many people have stopped sharing their testimony. Well, I tried to testify. I shared with them. 
And all they did was laugh at me or shun me or call me a fool. And they just shut up. Do not be silent. Silence gives the victory to the enemy. Friends, we need to hear the voice of God. We need to open our mouth in faith and let God fill it. We are the voice spokespersons for God. Every great move of God has a voice. A voice. We need to give voice to our faith. I can tell you right now, if those of us in this room will begin to give voice to our faith, begin to share our testimony with people with whom we cross paths and engage, there won't be an empty seat in this room. In fact, you'll have to get more, you'll have to let those bleachers down back there. I've seen churches so full that they were seating people up on the platform. I was in uh, Nashville. We were uh, this week at a conference with uh, Kent Christmas up there. And uh, uh, here they were in this church that they were using for the conference. There were 2,000 people jammed into that room. It was an amazing thing to behold. God's people want to hear the voice of the Lord. Praise his name. So don't stay where your testimony's not received. Not, not, not that you're being mean or you're hurt or all that. No, move on. Move on to better ground. M move on to a better harvest. Don't, don't stop. Don't be silent. Keep sharing, praise God. And so you, the, you see the rest of uh, uh, Saul's story there. And the Lord told him, I want you to leave this place. And I want you to go and share the good news with the Gentiles. Well, that's all the Jewish mob needed to hear. Now, now they're ready to kill him, for sure. In fact, that's all they were really looking for, was an excuse to kill him. But the Romans saved him, and he moved on. Our testimony will not always be received. But don't be silent. Move on to those who will listen. I remember being with a diverse group, well let me put it, I'm trying to be polite, last, last year, or the, I can't remember, or the year before, Val and I were with this, uh, let's call them a gender diverse group, and I'll just leave it at that, I don't want to sin here, of people, and one of them was curious about how I met and married a Canadian, now I used to just kind of tell the bare bones story. Well, I was in the Air Force, and I was up in northern Maine, and I was freezing to death, and I was lonely, and blah, blah, blah. But when I hear a question like that, as a matter of fact, I'm getting to the place anybody asks me a question, the first thing that pops in my mind is, what part of my testimony can I share with them? <laughs> because I'm not going to miss, I may not get another shot, so I'm not going to miss this opportunity, praise God. And uh, it, it was just amazing. Uh, I, that's why I always use it as an opportunity. Don't miss the opportunities. Some of them didn't receive my testimony that night. That's okay. But others of them did. And since that time, some of them have opened their hearts and begun to confess their own faith that had been shut up in them. Remember what Jeremiah said? There's something burning. There's something burning and shut up in my bones. And I cannot be silent. 
That's what we need to know. We need to know that fire again. That fire that's shut up in our bones. That fire that's in our soul, praise God. The one we cannot contain and we cannot control. Lord, I just want more. I want more of you. I want more opportunities, Lord, to open my mouth in faith and to share my testimony, praise God. Since that time, some of those same people that didn't want to hear the testimony then came back to us and said, when Val was going through all this last year, said, we just wanted you to know we're praying for her. I thought, praise God. Praise God. Wait for the question. Almost any question will do. It may be a question they ask, or it might be a question that you ask, as I shared with you earlier about how Jesus asked the Samaritan woman at the well, give me a drink of water. And it just fired off into this incredible gospel conversation until this woman leaves her water pot. She forgets why she even came there and goes back to her village and becomes an evangelist for him. A friend of ours, he's actually uh, one of the pastors in our, our home church, he was sharing that uh, uh, he was over in Samaria and uh, he was talking to this Christian priest. So uh, some denomination that still had priests, I, I don't know which it was, but he was talking to him about the, this account in John 4. And the man said, yes, well that's why we still have a Christian community here in Samaria. That woman, they, they don't even know her name. That woman, her testimony is still being heard 2,000 years later. There are still people of faith. Not, the town's not the same. In the Bible, it's called Sikar, but the name changed over the centuries, and now it's Shechem. But in that same town, her descendants of faith, that good seed that she sowed, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. And then she asked her question, could this be the Messiah? That's all they needed to hear. Oh, friends, the power of a testimony to change the trajectory of communities and nations all to the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness. The, can you feel it? The darkness that's trying to cover the earth right now, that's trying to cover the people. Gross darkness, some translations say. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Some of us run from here to the pillar to post trying to see the glory of God. Why don't you just let the glory of God rest on you as you open your mouth in faith and suddenly whoever's listening to you, their eyes are opened they may not know what to call it, but what they're seeing is they're seeing the glory of the Lord. The Gentiles shall come to your light. 
kings to your brightness, the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall dwell, swell with joy. And you will be like those who dream. They've come out of captivity. They're in their place. They're now in the promised land. They're going up to the temple mount to worship the Lord. And their mouths were filled with laughter, praise God. They were giddy with the presence of God and the testimony of what he had done to deliver them. Friends, close. This is the fulfillment so many people desire but are lacking in their lives. And I'm talking about Christians. We are to be God's witnesses, Jesus' ambassadors, calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light, out of Satan's powerful grip on their lives, to set them free, praise God, so that they may receive the forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in Jesus' name. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach the good news to the poor, to prophesy, to testify. Remember the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life is the spirit of prophecy. When you share it, you're prophesying to them. You're prophesying of the power and the work of the Lord our God. But it's not just up to us, to Val and I, to Jeremy and Haley. We're the equippers. <laughs> we're, we're, we're to equip you with this so that you will know how not only to do it, but you will know the freedom and the liberty to do it. Well, there's much more that I could say, but maybe another time. Maybe another time. Saturday night, Friday night, we were in Nashville at a conference, phenomenal conference. Pastor Kent Christmas he gave an altar call he said I want everyone who's been attacked by COVID and who is still suffering some loss loss of smell loss of what, what are the other things that the taste yeah what, whatever, whatever maybe still some of that COVID fog I think they talk about whatever it is if you're in this house this morning and you're still suffering from some you may have tested negative but you're still suffering from something some, you know something's not right we want to pray for you this morning and we also want to pray for anyone who is going through a battle with cancer or maybe you've been through a battle with cancer but you're traumatized you know, when military people are traumatized, they call it PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder or syndrome. There are many people in our land that are that way. If you're in that condition this morning, stand up.
We'll pray for you right now. Come up here, Valerie. There's one. Anything lingering from COVID or cancer or some other trauma in your life, we want to pray for you this morning. We just want to believe that in Jesus' name, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead will heal you and deliver you and set you gloriously free. What's your name, brother? What do you say? Anthony? Father, I thank you for Anthony right now. Just lift your hand to the Lord, Anthony. Father, I thank you for Anthony right now. I thank you for your presence of your Holy Spirit just filling him right now, filling his body, filling his mind, filling his senses, oh Lord God, cleansing him, healing him, delivering him, Opening his eyes, O Lord. Restoring him, O Lord God, to the fullness of health. We bind all the trauma. We bind away all the spirit of fear. We bind away all the memory of suffering right now. That in the name of Jesus, he may walk from this place today whole and healthy and a man who will share his testimony so that others may be saved and healed and come to the knowledge of the truth in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for Anthony, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Anthony, I, I just see you. I see you walking down a hallway. There are many doors along the way. And I see the Holy Spirit by his unction saying to you, go through that door. And when you go through that door, there's going to be someone or some several ones there with whom you're to engage. And you're to talk with them and wait for the question. It might be a question you've got or one that they've got, but wait for the question and begin to share that part of your testimony that will speak to them. You're a man on a mission. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid of acting the fool. Remember, you go in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Somebody else need to be commissioned to go? You just need that little unction to go, to open your mouth in faith, and to be used of the Lord? I'll pray for you right now. I'll stay and pray for you. Anything about Father God, I just thank you for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for this time together to share our testimony. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving, you are stirring in us. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Things are moving quickly now. The time is short. This is the time to sanctify yourselves, to be holy as He is holy, to put away all those things that might defile us in spirit, soul, or body. 
Get off Facebook. Get off the internet. Get off the television set where you're filling your mind and your eyes with corruptible things and mostly lies. Put it away. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. This is a time for holiness unto the Lord. This isn't talking about just little things. I'm talking about allowing your eyes to look at corruptible things like pornography. How can you hope to see the glory of the Lord if your eyes are feasting on that kind of corruption? Listen for the voice of God. But how can you hear the voice of God if all you can hear is all the clamor from television? Turn it off. For four days we were in Nashville at a conference. We didn't turn television on. I felt so clean when I left there. I thought, wow. I, di I didn't realize about all we watch is the news anyway. But about, I, I didn't realize just how befuddled we've become. It's kind of like that COVID business. It just messes with your mind. Your mind is the Lord's. Brethren, I beseech you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The time is short. Be sanctified. Be holy. Things are going to move quickly. And we are going to need... Don't be like the foolish virgins who ran out of oil. Be like the wise whose lamps were full of oil. In Jesus' name.